Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good People, episode 43. Today, I was joined by Stephen Covert. He is a natural bodybuilder, Christian, husband, and the owner of Iron Therapy Club. In today's episode, Stephen and I talked about the inception of Iron Therapy Club, what it means and the importance of being vulnerable, steroid use, and what it means to him to be a natural bodybuilder, and what he's learned in the last eight months of marriage. If you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving the show a rating. It really does help us out a ton. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving target that no matter how close, will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, Life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just focus on one thing. Being good people. All right, Stephen, welcome to the show. Bro, thanks for having me. Give me Stephen in 120 seconds. All right, unrehearsed, Stephen, 120 seconds. Um, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a married man. I'm a father to an Australian shepherd. I have a cat named Queso. Uh, natural bodybuilder. Um, I'm a Coke Zero aspartame energy drink kind of addict, but we're getting through it. Um, ginger, creatively motivated, um, and excited to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation for a number of reasons. Uh, generally just like highly motivated people that do lots of cool things, uh, are inspiring to me and I enjoy having you on talking about all these things. Um, and so there's a tons of stuff that I want to talk to you about a lot of, uh, topics related to what you just said. But the first one is, uh, tell me about iron therapy club. Oh, absolutely. So iron therapy club is a fitness athleisure type of brand that I created in a time that I was going through it just super, mentally down emotionally down and it was like a time of I felt like I had no idea how to be honest and how to be vulnerable with what I was kind of going through and it was through the relationships forged and the lessons learned that I needed vulnerability to create true community and that I needed people around me to support me that I came up with Iron Therapy Club because I'm a big gym guy and It was one of those instances where I realized the gym wasn't fixing all my problems and I needed the community around me. So it's kind of an ironic name of Iron Therapy Club, but it exists to motivate vulnerable community, whether in the gym, at home, at your grandma's, you know, getting dinner. It's just like a piece of clothing that I can wear. That's a tangible reminder of you got to have community in your life. You need support systems. You need the guys. You need a team. And, uh, and to order to nurture that, you need community and vulnerability. So Iron Therapy Club, that's what we're about. Tell me about that. When, when was that? When did it start? Yeah, absolutely. It started in 20, the, the instance that inspired it started in 2020, but I didn't get creating it till about 2021. And I was in the gym with my buddy and he's like very entrepreneurial and he was very like, he's very go-getting, like we'll make a product out of anything focused. And I was like, man, I really, I really want to make something, 
but I don't know what it is. Like, I was just feeling like I needed to express myself. I was going through it. And he was like, dude, let's make, let's make clothes. And I was like, dude, I don't even know how to make, I don't know the first thing about clothes. And then he kind of walked me through the manufacturing process. And I was like, oh, let's like, let's give it a shot. And my first product was, it was, it was a shirt that was heavy, oversized, something that I would love to wear in the gym. And on the back of it, it said, this is a pump cover in terms of like, you know, this is what you wear. This is what it is. You know, a little bit of off-white inspired. Um, and then we made that and I was like, this is sick. Like, this is something I would wear and I couldn't stop wearing it. And we sold like all 45 of them. It was like friends and family. And I was like, okay, this is really, really cool. Um, and then drop two, we just had it like two months ago. We made hoodies and shirts, sold out the hoodies, almost sold out the shirts, like tripled the number of customers and we're coming on the restock tonight. So we'll see how that goes, but we're like, honestly, just very in the early stages and it's so cool. Yeah. This is something that's super fascinating to me. Um, we were talking before we started recording about the die tired stuff, um, Jonathan's a super cool guy that we've gotten to know through doing this and he does something similar obviously like small clothing brand and I think just wearing stuff that is empowering to you is is awesome Um, and you know Cayman and I have even talked about it before too about manufacturing stuff and we sort of got in into the beginning stages of something um, didn't really follow through on it but yeah I think that you know making something that you believe in is very fascinating and I always think that that aspect of a of a small business or, or whatever it is, is usually the defining characteristic of whether or not something's going to be successful. Like obviously, you know, your stuff looks cool and it's, it's funny. It's got a waffle house printed on the back of it, but uh, like, you, you know, you believe in the, that idea. And I think that that is a, that's a concept that a lot of people overlook because everybody thinks it would be cool to have a, a gym apparel athleisure yeah. pump cover. Uh, but you know, you're doing it for, for reasons outside of, just for yourself. And I think that's, that's super fascinating. Yeah, no, absolutely. man. it was like, I, I think we kind of are, are similar in this nature. Like you seem like a very like venture, like go get it. Let's try a different bunch of things. Like I had a podcast as well. And there were so many projects in my life. Like I think I did, I started a band and I couldn't sing just for the <laughs> sake of saying I started a band. It was like with my buddy, we made half a song and I teased it all over Instagram. Like I was going to release a whole album. And then I got into photography and I thought I was going to be like this massive photographer. I had a podcast that was called Stephen Covert starring Stephen Covert. (laughs) And I had bleach blonde hair. I had stud earrings. And it was just like everything I did was incredibly focused around myself. And each project burnt out in like two weeks. And I was like, man, this is not what I want to do. And then, like I said, I went through that just like the woes of my early twenties, like depression, anxiety. Um, and that's kind of like how I found Jesus and these whole processes began. And I, and I honestly started putting that time into iron therapy club and it just became a new thing like every month. And I was so excited about the journey because it was something I truly believed in and it was about other people. And it's been so like, I don't need to really be motivated by it because it's just me, like the Waffle House. Like, I go to Waffle House every weekend, not really, but I try to with my boys. It's like, we love Waffle House. And when we go to Waffle House, we chop it up and talk about what's going on in our lives. You know, if we have, if we're married, we talk about things we're going through in our marriage. If the boys are going through a breakup, we sit there and talk about it. We have some waffles. Um, so it's honestly, it's just this like fun expression of just my life right now, like the people around me my 
my faith, my fitness career, it's all encapsulated into a t-shirt and it's like the coolest thing. And it's like, so just self-sustaining in that, in that aspect. Something that you talk about is something we've talked a lot about on this show, which is the idea of community and sharing your life with other people. Uh, there's tons of different models, uh, but the one that comes to my mind most often, I talked to this lady about this uh, theory in communications called terror management theory. And basically the whole theory is how to feel better about yourself dying is, is, is the basic premise of it. And there's, there's three things. The first one is you have to, there's different language for this, by the way, but I'm giving it in dumb guy language that you and I understand. Layman's terms. I want to, yeah, I'll, I'll interpret it. <laughs> uh, the first characteristic is that you have to uh, know what it is that you value. Uh, you have to have like this, yeah. it's called a cultural worldview. And then you, you have to have high self-esteem, which pretty much just means, are you living up to your cultural worldview, your values? And then the third element, and this was surprising to me when I learned it, but upon further investigation, it makes a lot of sense, is you need to have close relationships. You need to have somebody to share those things with. So as long as you have a value system and you uh, stick to that value system and then you have people to share those things with and those experiences, you will feel better about the fact that you're going to die. And, you know, there's a ton of stuff that goes into that, right? And I think that that is a very important thing that, especially in this day and age, a lot of people are missing is this idea of community or, or just doing something for somebody else. And, you know, you use like your Waffle House example and you're, you're talking with the boys, right? Uh, yeah. At the beginning of this year, I saw a meme on uh, Instagram and it was, a, it was a picture from a shot from Winnie the Pooh. And they were all like sat around this table, you know, like they were in pajamas. When, Winnie was eating like, or uh, Pooh was eating like this, this hot honey. Everybody's drinking coffee. And then the caption was like, let's normalize this in 2024. And I think about that, like, since I've seen that, I think about that constantly. I'm like, yeah, we need to, we need to spend more time together. We need to rest more and not be so focused on building the thing, right? And, or taking some, some intentional rest. And so it's cool that that is sort of not only the origin, uh, but it seems like that's where you're headed with your mindset too, where you're leaning even harder into that. Yeah. And it's, and like you said, like, I think that tendency to have a community was pretty foreign to me. Um, like before the last two years, like at college, everyone's just kind of like hanging out to hang out. Like everyone's around. And I was like loud enough where people were just around me all the time, but coming into being an adult and graduating and getting married, it's like, man, people aren't just next door. Like I need to go out, like I need to go find people and I can't, resort to like college buddies that you know know a lot about me just because we hung out all the time like I need to go meet someone and I need to develop that relationship and by doing that I've got to you know be vulnerable with them like I need to hang out like I need to be a good hang you know I just got to chill with them I've got to go to the gym with them and that's what it's about it's just like we're nurturing relationships and relationships are hard but they're so important and they're worth it so exactly Winnie was bright man Winnie Winnie has hot hot honey man was it messing around with the guys? Yeah, invite the boys over to hang out. Uh, but but you know, to that point, even more, I think you're right. And like, again, before this started, I was like, dude, if you ever, you know, we live two hours from each other. We just met virtually, but I'm like, dude, if you're ever up here, like, let's grab a coffee. And it's, I genuinely be- or feel that way, like 100, percent dude. If you come, we're grabbing coffee. But also, how many times do we say things like that to people in passing, like, oh, dude, let's get dinner or whatever. 
And we don't actually ever follow through with those things, right? And I think that if, all the time, if we just if we just make that a priority and and like go to dinner with people and be a good hang, like you said, the quality of everybody's life will improve so drastically. And I I always just it comes down to this idea that I've had recently actually is because of hustle culture and the world that we live in, everybody's trying to optimize their life for work. Right? How can I rest so that I can work more? How can I um, make my morning routine so I can work more? And I think that that's not good. And I actually think you should optimize your life for rest. And too many people are, are thinking when they're working about resting, and too many people are thinking about uh, resting when they're working. Right? And so the, the basic point of this is you should be working hard so that you can rest hard as well, right? And, and that resting hard involves all the things we just talked about, going to Waffle House with your friends, going over to people's house for dinner, inviting people to coffee. And when you're in those things, not worried about what's on your to-do list tomorrow or next week or the next day, and just focusing on resting with those people and, and being in that space with presence as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's it's super important to me just to have, you know, like a handful of those guys that know every facet of me. Like, you know, if I'm having, because I, I like to put on the, uh, you know, it's hard for me to go over and never say like, you know, someone asks me how I'm doing. It's hard for me to be like, dude, not good. You know, it's, yeah, I'm great. You know, like I'll, I'll get to it eventually, but it's like I would, having that support system is so important to me. Just like being able to go over there and be like, no, bad day. Let's, let's chit chat about it. I think you're right on. Yeah. I, I think there's like so much that goes into that because I'm the same way where it's like, Somebody asked me, and then even if I'm being honest, I'm like, you know, I'm not that good. Then I also go, eh, you know, but it's really not that bad. And I think sometimes that yeah. I, you know, yeah. I and probably many other people can push a lot of the ways that we feel off to the side. But you're right. If you have people that you feel comfortable saying those things to, then it's a lot easier to be honest and, and vulnerable. Tell me a bit about, uh, has uh, Iron Therapy Club changed at all since the, the inception of it? Um. The message is the same and like, you know, our, our core values, you know, Christ centered, community driven, quality focused, like every piece, like I spend weeks to months designing every inch of the, the collar, the sleeve, the hood, like, and I have so much passion for it. Like, I love it. Like we, and there's actually a quote by, we were talking about Alex Ramosi or however you pronounce his last name, but he said, um, Spend a lot of time developing a product. It'll market itself forever. Uh, don't spend a lot of time designing, designing a product and you'll market it forever. So, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in sitting down, making sure there's a certain type of quality. You know, I have like inspirations in my own life. Going back to kind of like that self-sustaining creative thing. It's like, what do I wear? Like, I love Carhartt. You know, and, and I love Carhartt because it makes me feel like a rugged man who could like go under the car and like change the oil. But I couldn't like my dad could. And that was like a huge inspiration. Like my dad would come out and his like Carhartt, you know, jacket's probably like $100 now, but he found it at Goodwill. It's got like oil and paint, but not because that's cool, because that's what he does. Um, and, you know, he's like, I was like, what would my dad wear? He'd want something thick. So I'm going to design it at 240 grams per square meter, which is how much a Carhartt shirt weighs. You know, and what do I want it to look like? Well, I want it to be acid wash because I want it to look rugged. So, you know, it's like everything that it just works out so well because I've found that, and I, I forgot who said this, but it's like, as someone that's 
Do you, are you, have you ever taken the Enneagram? Do you know what the Enneagram is? Dude, I'm actually interviewing a lady in like two weeks on the Enneagram. <laughs> so I, to, to give you a summary, I'm an Enneagram four wing three, but I don't like subscribe to that too much. But basically I'm very individualistic and I like to feel like, you know, I'm this creative, like, you know, no one thinks like I do, which is totally a lie. And the coolest thing that I figured out was like, I am not unique at all. Like there are so many people just like me. And if you design a product that you like, there are so many people like you that are going to like it. So that's what I've been figuring out. It's just like, if I put the time, if I build the quality and the community is going to come as someone that likes instant gratification, it's like, we have to delay it. Like each shirt that goes into someone's house is making an impact. And they're, if you make it well enough, they're going to go tell their buddy. And then the buddy hopefully resonates with the message. And then he's going to tell his buddy. And that's just kind of been the escalation. Like, so many young guys and young girls, older guys, older girls have like resonated with the idea of the vulnerability creates community. And they honestly, like my goal would be to create a product that looks like everybody else's. I mean, not like a huge goal, but it'd be nice to know that they would wear it because of the message. Like if it was just a shirt that was a blank tee, they would pick it over their favorite shirt just because they know when I put this on, I have a community behind me of people that believe the same thing. And that's kind of how it's grown. Like we, I, my personal brand has grown a lot. So the brand itself has just inherently grown. Um, but in terms of like the community, it's just growing crazy, crazy drastically. We have a discord now, which is a whole new world for me. Um, but yeah, man, it's just grown. We first drop, we sold 40 shirts. Second drop, we sold, 80 hoodies and 130 shirts. And so, you know, who knows what's going to happen for the third drop, but just continue to praying for its success. And it's been just like growing like crazy. I think you're on there, man. Uh, like, you know, being selfish with something or, or, or making something specifically uniquely for you is making it for everybody else. Um, yeah. Cayman and I talk about this with this show. It's like, I, I talked to a guy last week that, or just the episode just came out this past week. He's, he's a researcher at Penn State and he studies media uh, communications and this specific group of people that are quantified as news finds me individuals, which is probably how you and I do because we're young and we fall within this demographic. But we just kind of assume that the news about the world will come to us via social media and friend groups and we actually don't like seek it out. But anyways, I was just, I just saw his research and I was like, that seems super cool. And so I reached out to him and like, it was just a conversation that I wanted to have. And I thought the topic was very fascinating. And I thought it would even beyond all that stuff. Like I did think it was going to be helpful, but at a very bare bones level, I just wanted to talk to the guy cause I was curious about his work. And yeah. unfortunately, because it's about research and it's boring, it, it didn't get as many views, but I think it was like my best interview that I've done so far. And yeah. those are, I think the, the, the leading metrics that matter the most is, uh, yeah. you know, are you staying curious? Are you being authentic to yourself, et cetera? And if you make things yeah. for yourself and you put it out there, a lot of people will gravitate towards it. Yeah. And I think you need that passion project to inspire the next one. Yeah. Why, why is this such an important thing for you to build? <clears throat> the message about vulnerability creating community is hugely important to me. Because like I said, uh, I think it was you know, around 2020, COVID, so everyone was just going through it with their own thing as well. But I 
had gone through something that was honestly not even like a huge, I mean, it was a big deal to me, but it was something I felt like I couldn't share or be vulnerable with anyone. Like I felt like I was the only person in the planet who went through it. And I felt a lot of shame and it wasn't until I met my now wife. Like I, I went through like my last year of college, like I bleached my hair. Like I told you, I was just like, just my identity was so wrapped up in what I thought was a terrible experience. And it it was like obviously traumatic, but it wasn't until I like talked to my wife, we were sitting in the back of her Honda or her Toyota Malibu, you know, we're on like date number three. And I was like, Hey, like I have been kind of like playing a bit of who I am this whole time. Like I've acted like this really confident guy. Um, I was super popular at Liberty where I went. So it was very easy to just like keep appearances. And I was like, Hey, I want to tell you something that happened to me like two years ago that I've been holding on to. And like, yeah, it's going to be hard. Like the only person I ever told. And I let her, and I told her, and I was like, first time I cried in like two years, it felt like this massive weight just like lifted. And she looked at me and she's like, so? And I was like, what do you mean? So like, that's no one does that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I carried that weight for so long. And I, and I remember like being in groups of people in college and be like, man, they have no idea the type of person I am. Like this, they have no idea that what happened, like I, they probably think I'm really cool, but they don't know like the half of it. And I told her, she's like, so like, I'm sorry that happened. And like, I'm sorry you went through that. And I was like, what are you talking about? And like, just that moment, like I just cried for the first time, like two years. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And then I wanted to tell everybody after that. I was like, every, I pulled my, my bro aside. I was like, dude, let me tell you what happened in 2019. <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, bro, I've been like holding on to this for so long. Um, and like instantly after I said that, I was like, well, what else can I tell you? <laughs> like, what, what else have I gone through that I can let you know? And because it felt so good to be vulnerable and like, it was honestly like up until I talked to Betsy, my wife, I was like, dude, I like, I don't know how long I can do this. Like, I can't keep this going. Like this act is not working. I can bleach my hair as many times as I want and I can drink as much as I want. I can lead on as many women as I want, but it's never going to make it better because inside I felt like absolute shame. And then I finally told her, I was like, Whoa, like, what are you talking about? And then the message came from, I want everybody to feel that. Like I want everyone to know that true community because it wasn't until that moment that I was like, Oh, these are my best friends. Like these are my guys that I'll sit on top of the roof and in high school, just smoke cigarettes, of course. But these are the type of guys that I'm going to be like, yo, I messed up. Like, let's talk about it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hold this shame. And there's like such forgiveness. And it was like such a breath of fresh air after that moment. And then that's where the brand comes from. It's like, okay, go to Waffle House, like tell your boys that you're going through it, you know, uh, go to the gym, but don't just work out, but work out and then talk to your guys afterwards. Like use the gym as a type of way to connect and then go hang out afterwards, like sit on the curb, have that hard conversation like that's and then if they leave or if they think it's too much they were never meant to be your boys anyway and it's like if you truly let yourself feel that vulnerability they're going to become the best friends in your entire life you know and, and that was something that was so beautiful to me and i was like man i'm gonna make a brand that's focused on the gym it's something you can wear to the gym but it's also something you can wear in the bed of your buddy ethan's truck you know it's like 
you know, like that's chit chat about it. But like, you can wear this hoodie when you go to the gym. It says vulnerability creates community on the bottom of it. And I hope someone asks you about it because then you can tell them why you love that. And then maybe you'll become best friends because you're actually honest with them. You know, you're actually vulnerable. And then you'd be surprised how quickly they'll be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Have you heard the, the uh, quote, you cannot suffer in silence? Oh, absolutely. I've, I've heard it different ways, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah and I've, I've opened up sort of about this on the show, not specifically about what it is, because uh, I do think at some level um, sharing, you know, like vulnerability only exists because you, you keep stuff for, for the people that you want to be vulnerable with, right? Um, right. Just in general, I had some like weird um, experiences with, uh, I don't even want to say memory suppression, but just I had a bunch of crazy stuff happen to me when I was pretty little. And uh, I never told anybody about it, I kind of forgot about it. And then one day it just kind of like came back to me that this crazy thing happened to me. And uh, yeah. I held on to it for like, I, I had been with my now fiance for like three years at this point. And uh, marry that girl. Yeah, yeah, we're getting married. And uh, I held on to it for about two months before I actually even told her about this thing that happened. And it was the exact same situation that you just described. I was sitting there waiting for her to get home from work. And I was like, kind of trembly, like, how am I going to tell her this? And then I sat her down. I'm like, I can't even get through it. It's hard. What is she going to think? And I knew what she was going to say. And she said exactly what I knew she was going to say. It's still just hard to get through and then she was like, I'm sorry that happened to you, but you know, like we're all, you know, everything's all good. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. it was, it's in those moments where you actually do the hard thing of opening up. I mean, everybody who's listening is thinking about something that they went through that they've never told anybody ever. And there are things that those things that you're thinking of, there are people in your life, hopefully that you have that, you know, you can tell them. And you should tell them because you're going to go through the same thing you and I went through, which is you're going to be accepted with love and you're going to realize that it's not that big of a deal. Everybody has had crazy stuff happen to them and the weight is literally instantly lifted from your shoulder and you are overcome with this feeling of like everything's going to be all right. And uh, so it's beautiful that you were able to go through something similar and, uh, and thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I love it. And there's a, there's a Bible verse that I love and it's basically like nothing is new under the sun. And it's like, you're never, whatever it is that you feel, you can feel a lot of, lot of confidence and a lot of encouragement because someone else, probably a million other people have felt. I mean, obviously there's very rare cases and, um, but I'm sure there's a handful of people that have all been in that situation. And I have like, and it was, it was super like, I don't feel like I really learned how I process things or this sounds like dramatic, but like who I was until that moment. Cause, and like you said, like kind of like a memory suppression, like growing up, I was a very, like, I guess you could call it OCD in hindsight now. Like as a kid, I was very OCD um, and couple OCD with like shame and suppression. It's a terrible combo. Cause like you just consistently think about it and you obsess about it. And then you obsess about it. Then you feel like you become that person. And then it's like a whole thing. And it was like, not until that point where I was like, Hey, I gotta tell you this Betsy. And she's like, okay. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, like you create this narrative. If you, the longer you keep it, the longer it festers and you create a narrative about yourself. Yeah. 
And uh, again, to bring up that Alex Formosi conversation that we talked about, he said something in that that was along the lines of his goal is to die with no secrets. And I think that that is super admirable. You know, like that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. If, you, if you're just honest about everything. And again, you can't just go out and, and tell every single person that you run into on the street all of the traumas <laughs> that you went through. That's not, you try. not very healthy either. But, <laughs> you know, there, there's a, you need to have a group of people that you can open up to those things about because it frees you from them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just listened to that episode like yesterday, actually. He's, I like some quite a character. He's a little bit extreme. He, I like, I love a lot of things we said, but he said yesterday, he said the business comes before my marriage. And I was like, okay, I'll, like, I hear you. I appreciate that sentiment, <laughs> but like, that's where I'd be like, okay, Alex, I calm down a little bit. Like, yeah. He's, a good guy. He's, he's smart. Yeah. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole on on where I disagree with him that. But something that I'm really excited to talk to you about is natural bodybuilding. Because as somebody who's a fitness coach, I'm in the fitness space. This is a topic that I think about quite a bit. So uh, tell me, what is natural bodybuilding to you? Why is it important? Yeah. Um, natural bodybuilding to me is obviously just the absence of enhancing drugs. Um, just like on a paper definition. Uh, and to me, it's just like the healthiest approach to the passion that I love, which is bodybuilding. Um, just a really cool community in there. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And I've been doing it for about two years now. It was when I actually started and I've just loved it. It's hard work, but as you know, it's, it's a good journey. Something that I'm curious is what are your thoughts on like this rise of, of content creators, fitness influencers who are obviously heavily, uh, involved in the use of, of drugs or, you know, like I think of Sam Sulik, I think it's, you know, or just in general, like heavily drugged people that are just jacked are getting big platforms. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, so I've been in the fitness space or not even in the space. Like I don't even consider myself in the space now, but like I've been involved in that media side of things since I was probably like 14, 15. And there were so many, like, I just remember every time I hear someone that's like young and on a lot of drugs, I can just think of people that have passed away. Like it's sad, but it's like, there's been so many instances of like just poor management of the drugs. So I'm sure like Sam Sulek probably has a really good team behind him and he's probably like very smart, but it just like, I don't know. I don't like taking that chance, but I, I think personally, my conviction, I wouldn't take the peds but if someone you know decides that that's for them like i like i think you have better luck doing well in natural bodybuilding as there's like everyone there's some massive dudes so good luck but yeah well let me ask you this question as somebody who's i guess started consuming that content at a young age that's where my concern comes in with some of this stuff is that obviously people can do whatever they want and there are certain divisions and styles of bodybuilding where it's widely accepted to use drugs. And I'm of the belief personally that if somebody wants to use drugs, they totally have the freedom and ability to do that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of health concerns, like you've mentioned, that come with it. Um, infertility is probably number one that people you know, know off the top of their head. But my brain immediately goes to, okay, if all of these people are taking drugs uh, and you're 14 years old or 15 years old and you're watching YouTube and you're just like, these people are awesome. I want to be jacked as well. You know, you're, you are influencing a very young person that is probably not capable of making a smart decision in regards to that. 
because they don't have the perspective that they're going to be an adult and they're, you know, things are going to change. Uh, consuming that content and wanting to essentially achieve the same thing. And in a position where you're 14 or 15 and you see these people and you're like, in order for me to look like that, I have to take this, this, and this. Uh, I don't know. I just see that as being a, a, a problematic thing. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. And I think I personally, when I was younger, I guess I saw them as so far out that I could never like, my expectation was never, I don't know. I think I had a good perspective in terms of like, I drew inspiration, but I never compared myself. Um, and I've been like very grateful, like super blessed in that regard. Like, I, you know, if someone's got like a mansion, I'll probably be like, man, I should probably get a better job. So I can definitely see how that envy can happen on social media, but I've been very blessed to be like, I see someone on Instagram. I can see right through it. It's like, okay, they probably took that picture right before they got on stage they probably had a whole studio crew come in and take that photo. Um, they probably, and as someone who does photography and knows the media side, it's like, okay, they probably threw that thing through Lightroom, cranked down the highlight. Like there's so many things they probably did do. And I've always had a good perspective, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I think it's probably a dangerous game if you consume a lot of, I think it's all like, like I said, just your approach. Like I could see Sam Sulek and say, okay, he's disciplined. He's obviously a hardworking guy. He's got like 3 million subscribers. And that seems to, I mean, that's everybody's dream now that's younger who does fitness. They want to be a fitness YouTuber. Like he's probably very motivating in terms of his upload frequency. He's like very dedicated. Um, his workouts are probably very helpful. You know, you won't get the same pump because he's massive, but like, I guess the approach is the most important thing. It's like use him as inspiration, not as your goal. I guess. Yeah, I hear you. And I know I also sound like an old head when I say stuff like that, but it's like, you know, <laughs> you got to protect the kids. But I, I don't know. I just fear there's a, there's a content creator named Zach Tallender who I, I really love. He's an Olympic weightlifting coach. I draw a lot of inspiration from him. And he, he gave this example, and it's a perfect example. And it's if you're, if you, if you're 16 years old and you have an older brother or sister and they're in college and they come home and they're like, and you're like, what's up? You know, like, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been taking lots of drugs. I've been drinking lots of alcohol. I've just been like not doing my homework, staying up late, you know, but I've been hooking up with lots of people and, you know, having a lot of fun. All of, all that the young person hears is they were hooking up with lots of people and having fun. And it's like, again, not to say that you need to go through those horrible things. And usually most people who go to college and party. It's all more moderate than what I just described. But, uh, you know, the point still stands that the outcome of, of taking drugs is getting huge. <laughs> and if you want to get huge, like you, you, uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's a, it's a very obvious choice for these people because they don't have the ability to to think in advance, like, oh, in 10 years, I number one, I don't even know if I'll care about being huge. And number two, um, I didn't realize that this was going to affect my fertility long-term, my, you know, ability to produce natural testosterone, et cetera. And I think that, I don't know, there just needs to be more education about some of the side effects, but that's just not a fun thing for young people content-wise to consume when you can see Sam Sulek throw 315 off his chest after he fails bench pressing, you know? Yeah. And 
and to kind of like I totally agree, but in like a, a juxtaposition, I think the kids that are coming up with social media now, <clears throat> I think have a lot better um kind of like decision making a bit like I think that they get thrown so much content and they can kind of read through what's false or what's like a load of crap. And I and I think that they can probably you know, there's just like so much media, so much politics, so much everything. I, I'm sure there is, I think that there's a, a way that they kind of can weed through it. Just like in a, in a sense of like in the spirit of, I think they also have something that we probably didn't have. Cause like I had one fitness influencer that I thought was like the man, you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, but I think they have so much perspective and opinion that they've had to be forced to grow up and like, okay, does this, like, does this seem healthy? Like, is this real? So I'm sure there's like, you know, there could be an aspect that we don't know, but I definitely agree. I think it's, there's a lot. Mm. We'll move on. I don't want to talk about um, whether or not we should all take steroids or not for too long. But um, (laughs) one of the most important things I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, was this topic of marriage. You mentioned earlier, you've been married now for about eight months. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. Eight months. Yeah. And uh, as somebody else who I'm also, uh, I'm getting married later this year, but, um, my question is very broad, and I'm sure this is marriage has given you a lot of things. But if you could sort of sum it up, what is what is the main thing that marriage has given you? That's a good question. I would say, I mean, just on like surface level, it's given me a companion, um, like a best friend, a, a confidant, um, someone that encourages me in every venture. You know, encourages me in my walk, in my faith. Yeah, just a just a partner. As somebody, this is a topic that I think quite a bit about. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I would actually be interested to see if there's any like research on this. But uh, it seems like like I'm getting married young. How old are you? Uh, twenty four. Yeah. So you got married tech, I guess young. I don't know. I wouldn't even consider yeah. that young. Cayman got married young. I don't know if he wants me to say that on the podcast, but. I don't know, there's just like this group of people that get married, quote unquote, young. And uh, I guess why, you know, what what is the reason why you got married, why you got married young? Again, this is a a twist to like, what has marriage given you? But what is that? Why get married young? Um, I can give you a quick answer. So as a Christian, I I, um abstained from having premarital sex and I wanted to get married and really enjoy that relationship. And I wanted to move in with her. So that's like the quickest answer, man. Okay. Well, thank you for being honest about that. Yeah, absolutely, bro. But let's, let's dive into this a little bit more too, because, um, I've, I've consumed some content on it, uh, a little bit. And I think for me, the main draw to it obviously like I love my partner very much and it's it, it that that's why it was like we had been dating and it just was the next step and we were ready but <clears throat> I don't know I'm just the type of person that I need to have to bring up what you said earlier everything that I've ever done in my life has been the thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life when I started doing magic tricks in seventh grade I was like I'm a magician I'm going to be a magician Right. That lasted for like six months. Then I got into Rubik's cubes and I was like, I'm going to break, I'm going to be a speed cuber. I'll break the world record. That lasted for a while. 
Um, Did you I do got it? in. What's that? Did you speed cube? I speed cube for a little while. Yeah, uh, I don't think I ever yeah, solved anything faster than like forty or fifty seconds, which isn't very fast at all. But, uh, <clears throat> anyways, I I got into video games when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I played League of Legends for hours a day for like five years straight. You know, World of Warcraft, everything. And I thought I was going to be a professional League of Legends player or a streamer or or whatever. That probably was the stint that lasted the longest. I got into fitness. Uh, I've gotten into everything. But it's always been when I do something, this is my life now, and I will, yep. I'll do it forever. And so for me, having a, a relationship and a partner that like makes everything else steady is something that's always appealed to me. Like I'm not, I'm also not a very... I wasn't like you. I'm not very extroverted. I don't, I'm not really a smooth talker, you know. Uh, I just need to have this thing that's fixed and it's good and it's consistent and it allows me to do all the other stuff that I want to do, which is work on a podcast, help people with their fitness, et cetera. Yeah, no, I totally resonate. I am um, same for you, like same as you. I, I definitely tried everything and tried to be the best at it. Um, and a wife is just like a really cool anchor, like a very supportive, you know, Betsy is very like, you know, I'm sure you felt as quickly as you have a rush to do something, you've burned pretty quickly, you know, like you kind of fall apart if it doesn't work. But Betsy, especially with the brand, um, with my job, with like content creation, she's just like the person at the end of the day that I lay down watch the crown. She rubs my head and tells me that we're going to get them tomorrow. <laughs> So I think like that's something that's really cool about it. Um, the right partner is just like that that anchor for guys like you and me that are just very like can't rest and can't sit still. It's also nice to know at some level that there's always somebody that is rooting for you. Like I, I actually said this to Cayman when we started, <clears throat> just in, in general, like trying to grow a podcast, whatever the case may be, you um, you get to a point where you're like, overwhelmed with all the stuff that you have to do and you're like I need somebody to help me with this and like obviously Cam and I are fortunate that we have each other for sure but you're like what do I even do and then you look around and you're like there's nobody here to help me like I have to figure this out and it's just nice to know that there's somebody else that's on your team that uh, whether or not they're actually like standing next to you and trying to grow the thing with you or they're just like that voice of reason that's like you know it's not that big of a deal everything's going to be fine it's just nice to have that like you said anchor yeah. And, and I think what is just detrimental to guys like us is like, you know, well, I mean, I'm just speaking speak for myself, like that kind of imposter syndrome, you know, it's like, there's no way this is going to happen. Like, you know, you have that dream, you have that one day that it sparks. Um, but Betsy for me, man, it's like, you know, if there's two, even like three days of like bad success, or like the videos don't do well, or the clothes don't sell, she's like, it's going to happen. And then she's always right. It always happens because, you know, she's, she has a supernatural ability to see that, you know, it's going to happen. And, and I think it's especially like, I mean, dude, what you said about like a hustle culture and just like relaxing, like, I think it is so important to get married young, have that partner. And when you invest fully in that partner over, like we said, like over Alex Hermosi, you know, the business will go if the marriage burns, you know, like if you have that partner that's there, like if you, that's your priority, like everything's going to work out because you're not like that hierarchy is set in place. Like you're not, I don't know. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I also think that spreading your identity to the various things in your life that you do at all levels is super important for your longevity and I don't want to use the term happiness, maybe even like peace of mind is a better term for it because yeah. like 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 you and I, when I was in 7th grade and all I had ever tried to do was do magic tricks, if I messed up a magic trick in front of somebody, my whole day was ruined. My week was ruined. I was like I'm yeah. never going to figure out how to do this thing. And it was like motivating <laughs> at some level, right? But the more right. stuff you do, the more relationships you have, the more you can spread yourself out, uh, the the more pieces of your identity that you have to feel more fulfilled. And not to say that like your partner is just like one, you know, it's one piece of your identity. But what I mean by this is if all the other stuff in your life is going horribly, at least you have this one thing that like you know you can do well. At least that's that's in my case. Like I know that I'm a good partner, and it's, I guess I'm fortunate in this way. It's very easy for me to, like, have that frame of mind where, oh, this is the most important thing to me, and I need a, I need to make sure that this is okay. But you know, no matter what's happening or whatever you're going through, it's nice to know that there's always that one thing that is is the the seas are relatively smooth, and you can you can fall back on. You can sit down and watch The Crown. Sit down and watch The Crown. I haven't ever watched The Crown. <laughs> no, Callie watches that all the time. Is that your fiance's name? Yes. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, The Crown's good. It's we're on episode three right now. Give it a watch. How has marriage, or, or what's something about marriage that you you didn't realize was going to happen when after you got married? Say that one more time. What is something about marriage that after you got married? Let Let me rephrase it. Uh, what is something that you didn't realize was going to be uh, beneficial about getting married until after you got married? Um, <clears throat> beneficial. My wife is very organized in type A and I'm the furthest thing from it. So we just exist very well in terms of she plans everything out and she makes sure I go to different things that I need to go to because I'll forget them the the next day. She's just like, that's like a very, very supportive. She's just great at making sure everything's in line and picking up where I can't pick up. Before we, you know, continue to talk about, I haven't gotten married yet and you've been married for eight months and we're talking about all of the cool things about (laughs) marriage. I'm curious though, are there any like specific challenges and stuff like that, that you've run into that, you know, are worth mentioning vocalizing? I'm trying to think of things that are, Specific challenges, just patience. I mean, I've realized the weight of my ego and pride and just waking up and having to be selfless every morning. That's the biggest challenge. It doesn't come easy for me to, to continue to think of others as I'm very like focused on terms of what I want to do today or what I got to get done today. And that's been the biggest challenge is like, okay, I'm a, I'm a partner. I am supposed to love and respect my wife and I need to put away my need to wake up and write some content if she needs, if she wants to hang out and drink some coffee. That's something that I think that I have a challenge with as well. Maybe not from like a relational perspective, but just, you know, there's, there's just not enough hours in the day to, to satiate all of my curiosities and interests. And there's this constant battle I feel like that I have in my head of like, am I doing enough to help others? Am I doing enough to help myself? Am I doing enough to help the people that are in my life? And I think that the answer to that question is all of those things are the same thing, right? And obviously, like, 
you can get to the point where you know, you're being too selfish with your time or you're giving too much to others and you need to take a little bit more time for yourself. But I think that that very thing is the point where you have to sort of always be in tune with what do I need right now? Do I, am I being too selfish? Do I need to help others? Have I been helping others too much and I need to like take some time for myself? Do I, do we need to do something as a couple, as partners? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just something that I always come back to is this idea that there's no right answer. And like you, you use the words there of like, you're, you're naturally pretty selfish. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because you know that about yourself and you can sort of adjust accordingly. And there's always this game to play of like, what it is you need to do in a moment is dependent on what you have been doing in the last couple like days, weeks and months and overall how you feel. And it's, I think it's good to just be more in tune with that uncertainty. Yeah, that's good. Last couple questions here that I want to ask you about. I think that we'll be able to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, perhaps. But um, I'm curious, what does it mean to you to be a good person? That's a good question. Um, so as as a Christian, we have, you know, in, in my belief, we are all, where no one is really a good person. Uh, it says in Romans, you know, we've all fallen short. Um, but, you know, through through my faith and through Jesus, I'm made into a new creation, which makes me through Christ. But yeah, man, I don't, I think we've all fallen short. Why? Tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're all naturally, I mean, like you said, and I said, like we're naturally selfish people. Um, We're naturally pretty self-motivated and driven. And I don't know. This is a good question. I think uh, maybe expand a little bit more on that idea of like, you know, we were just talking about this idea where you, you sort of have uh, these selfish tendencies. You were, you were saying characteristics about yourself. And I think that that's true. Like, I can name all of these bad qualities about myself and my nature. And the fighting against that in some capacity is, is in my view, what makes goodness, right? It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not ever going to judge myself by my thoughts. I'll judge myself by my actions, right? And obviously, you know, yeah. actions often fall short as well. And it, it, maybe is that what you're yeah. getting at? Yeah, I think in terms of we are just naturally people that sin. You know, I, I don't, my whole day isn't perfect. You know, I have a lot of bad intentions or I do a lot of bad things or think bad things. So I, I think it's, I think you can be a person that, is trying to improve and do good things and you know and improve but i don't think we can naturally be i don't think at heart we're all this is a this is a tough one man that's a good question i don't know i've been asking everybody and with you know it's uh that's actually i think one of the fascinating things one of the things that i strive for is to sort of uncover this because it's a it's something that i care a lot about like when this is all said and done after I die, I would like to think that yeah. I shared goodness with the world. And uh, yeah. it's hard to pin down exactly what that means. Yeah. And, and I think interrogating it at times, you know, in the way that we do with through these conversations, et cetera, is really the only way uh, to maybe not even never nail it down, but get closer to, to, to what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the name of the podcast. Yeah, good people. <laughs> Uh, well, man, <laughs> is there it. anything else that you would like to add before we close off? Um, 
Well, first of all, dude, thanks for having me. Like I was telling you and Cayman, this is huge. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I know how hard it is to have a podcast. You guys are killing it. And I guess my follow-up question, was there a moment when like the origin of this podcast, like why is that a question that you want answered? Like what is, what is a good people question come from? Um, when I asked you earlier, um, if the inception of Iron Therapy Club, if the inception of it was different or has it evolved over time, I think that my curiosity from that came from my own experience trying to do something. Believe it or not, we actually started this thing because we wanted to develop a pair of shorts. Uh, no way. And yeah, we just were talking about like this multi-purpose, multi-faceted, looks nice. Uh, you can work out in it. You can wear it to brunch short. And we probably for like six months went through the developmental process of getting designs made, um, talking with manufacturing companies. And basically, I just called this guy for like an hour who's somewhere in Texas. And he was like, listen, man, I do stuff like this all the time. I think that your product is cool, but like everybody does stuff like this. And you don't have any a brand or anything like that to to sell this. And anyways, long story short, we sat down and we were like, is this a risk we're willing to take? And the answer was no. And then we were like, well, we think we want to do something because we both have like this uh, room in our life to take on something new, to work on something that's meaningful. And Cayman was a video, is it the video guy? And I was like, Let's put our skills together and we'll do a podcast. I've, I had actually had another podcast before this when I was in college called the Invent Podcast that I did with my roommate, and then he just stopped doing it with me. And then I didn't, you know, similar story to yours. I just, yeah, I didn't do it. And uh, you know, we just started it, and I think Good People was just the name that stood out to me the most for for no particular reason. And through that, I in yeah. asking the question, I've sort of developed the passion for it. If that makes sense, like I don't know if I necessarily had Absolutely. it before I started, but as we've gone on, I've realized that it is a, I've uncovered that this topic is something that I, I really do care about. And I think it's an important thing to explore because again, I come from the, the hustle culture, self-improvement space in terms of the content that I consume. And over time, I've just gotten like increasingly frustrated with some, the media that's, or, or, or the messaging that's put out behind it to use the Alex Hormozzi thing where he was like, when I first started dating my wife, for the first three years, I think he said, he said, uh, my business is going to come before this marriage. And I, like, yeah. again, I understand the sentiment and I definitely don't have maybe in a, just put a positive spin on it, the resolve to have that frame of mind. But like, I just don't, yeah. I just didn't feel, feel like that mindset is right. And I think that that mindset is common when it comes to the hustle culture. And I think that there's this way of living that, I use the term balance. Um, again, I think that's like an overused term, but I think there's a there's a balance that you can strike between engaging in meaningful work, having meaningful relationships, optimizing your life for rest, and overall, that's what's going to give you the best, not, not just experience, like moment to moment, but when all this is said and done, you feel happy with the life that you lived because there's there's got to be yeah. this equal parts of challenge and pleasure i think yeah i mean with that is that what you would coin like the good person like all of those things checked yeah and i don't i don't even know how to describe it from there the the most recent thing that i've that i've settled on is this 
concept of, of contrasting goodness and greatness. Uh, that's like a good model that I've been using where, uh, I feel as though goodness is when, uh, you give up something of yourself for the sake of others, and greatness is when you give up something of others for the sake of yourself, right? So think of like any world champion. They, they had to make a lot of sacrifices. They probably like miss weddings, um, miss yeah. birthday parties. They couldn't hang out with their friends at night because they had to go to sleep early and wake up and do their body work. And it, it, There's a lot of like selfish pursuits in, that require you to be great, and I think that that's fine, but the like hustle culture pushes people like you can be great. You can be great. You can be great. And I don't think that's as worthwhile of a pursuit as goodness, which is selflessness. Um, you yeah, know, absolutely to, to use other words, I don't really know what goodness is, but I know what it's not. And so if you just rattled off a bunch of questions, like, is this goodness? Is this goodness? I could answer them, but I don't know if I have like a definitive definition for what it is uh, outright. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think you spawn on, especially like you said, in the, in the Hermosi culture, you know, it seems like he would give up his whole family to be successful. And it's like, I, like you said, I appreciate the sentiment and I don't have that, like you said, resolve, but that's really cool. That's a cool, like perspective, you know, like greatness is sacrificing others for yourself, but goodness is sacrificing yourself. I like that. I, I wrote it that's down. That's what good people is all about. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what we're all about. Dude, that's huge, man. I like that result. Well, before we sign off, man, uh, where can people find you and more of the content you're putting out? Dude, I love your Instagram vlog so much. Uh, and, Bro, thank you so much. Yeah, and I'll definitely like include all your stuff, but anybody listening, check it out for sure. Um, yeah, Instagram is what I primarily use. We're trying to get into YouTube. We'll see how that goes. I've been saying that since I was like 12. So, <laughs> uh, But Steven with a PH dot covert um and depending on when this goes out iron therapy club restock is dropped go check it out if you're interested um and uh, i appreciate you listening dude thanks for having me man this was really this is so i know you keep trying to conclude and i keep bringing this back up but so since the uh like my, i guess my personal page has grown there's probably been like two or three podcasts like invites and I was, you know, I was absolutely honored to be, yours is like the coolest one. And I was like, dude, I want to go on this guy's show. So I really appreciate you doing that um, and taking your time to interview someone that's, I'm sure you could talk to someone that has a bigger following or anything, but I appreciate your time, brother. Well, yeah, man. Thank you for saying that. I, uh, we've heard that quite a bit and it's starting to make, I'm starting to believe it. Uh, so we'll Bro, just, get through that imposter syndrome. Yeah. We'll just keep trying to do the thing and we'll definitely, uh, you know, have you back on at some point for sure. Oh, please. Hey, but Alex Ramosi, what did he say? He said, there's no such thing as imposter syndrome because you're where you are now because you got here. It's my fault that so, my podcast is where it is. We'll grow, dude. You're not we'll an imposter. <laughs> you're not an imposter. You're exactly where you think you are. Yeah, that's, that's all right. So we'll grow. Hey. Bro, thank you so much. Have a good rest of your night. Cayman, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Good People. Make sure you check out all of the links for Steven's stuff in the show notes below. Before we head out, if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please rate the show. It really does help us out a ton. And if while you're listening, you enjoyed it, please share it with someone you love, perhaps your grandma. We'll see you next time.